0: Amen. Continue our little sermon series in Psalm 23. And this morning we are looking at verse 4 in Psalm 23. And we're thinking about the shepherd being the present shepherd. And we're going to read the whole of the psalm again together. It's only six verses. So let's listen to God's word together this morning. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Amen. Like I said, we're going to spend time this morning looking at verse 4, and which says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Last Sunday, we thought about this, the beginning of this psalm, the first three verses, about the Lord being our shepherd and how when we can say he's our shepherd, we can say, I have all that I need, that I shall not want anything because I have him. And we thought about his provision and how he goes before us and how he is the one that causes our soul, souls to be restored. And we, we thought about how this, this title of shepherd, it's not just you know somebody that would have been out in a field, but actually within this psalm there is, there is a royalty within it, that he is the royal shepherd who tends to his people because they are his sheep. Now, many of us will be familiar with this psalm, like I said last Sunday, because particularly of verse 4, where it speaks about being found in the valley of the shadow of death. Um, it, it is a psalm that is used to bring comfort, um, to bring peace to um, troubled souls and minds. And Particularly, we, we see it being read and the, the psalm being sung uh, at funerals and in times of mourning. And I reckon there are probably at least a few of us, if not maybe all of us, who will identify with this verse this morning differently because of the last kind of 15 to 18 months that we have been in. And actually maybe this morning as we read it, you feel like you've been in the valley for some time now. Maybe you feel that you've been walking in this valley. Sometimes this the shadow of death is kind of also translated as darkness, this valley of darkness. Maybe you've found yourself walking in this difficult season, difficult period in your life. I want to say at the beginning of the service, this m- sermon this morning, that it's okay to be in the valley. It is okay to be in the valley, and I think sometimes as the church, we try and. As soon as we see people being in that, we try and quickly haul them out of the valley. And actually, all that does is it makes people suppress their feelings and how they are at that moment in time. If you are in the valley this morning, it is okay. You don't need to hide it. You don't need to be ashamed of it. And please don't try and ignore it. Don't try and ignore the fact that you're in the valley. We see this morning that the valley is a legitimate place for God's people to be in. It is a legitimate place. It is okay to be found in the valley. Now, obviously, we aren't meant to stay in the valley forever. That's why the psalm doesn't start with the valley. That's why the psalm doesn't end with the valley. But it is often an experience that we face in life. We don't want to stay engulfed in the valley forever. But it's okay to be in it. Sometimes we face valley experiences more than once in our life. There's a beautiful verse in Psalm 30 that says weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. Maybe that's what you're enduring just now, is a night of weeping. And actually life has been really, really difficult for you. It's been hard. But I want to say As okay as it is to be in the valley, that joy is coming if you are God's child. The joy cometh in the morning. You see, the valley for us as God's people, as hard as it is, it's not a forever season. It might feel like it's a forever season. It might feel like we are going through this and we've been in it forever. And actually this feels like we're going to spend the rest of our lives. But that isn't the case for God's people. If you're in the valley, it's okay. But please hear this morning that joy cometh in the morning. That actually you have a glorious hope as we read at the beginning in Hebrews 10 that has been secured by Jesus. We ended last week thinking about being led in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake or uh, along the right paths for his name's sake. And we thought about how that meant that, that God leads us in the, along the right paths, along the paths of righteousness for his glory. And that in his glory and in glorifying his name, he cares for us as his sheep. Another way of saying this is that we are to live in God's ways for God's glory. But here's the thing. The right paths or the paths of righteousness aren't always by the green pastures or the still waters. David begins by pointing to God being the God of blessings and abundance. But actually, the right paths sometimes lead us through the valley of the shadow of death. And that is a really difficult thing sometimes for people to get their head around Think about Noah in the ark, Joseph in the prison, Daniel found in the lion's den, David hiding from Saul in a cave, Jesus on the cross. You see the valley is as much the shepherd's right path as the green pastures and the quiet waters are. So don't try and suppress the valley season, don't try and hide from it. Sometimes the right paths for his name's sake is right through the valley of the shadow of death because in that God is glorified and he makes his purpose known to us. This metaphor used by David, remember I said last week David himself had been a shepherd boy. This metaphor used by David, he would have, he would have understood uh, about leading a flock of sheep through difficult valleys, through dark valleys, through dangerous valleys. As a shepherd, he would, he would take his flock looking for green pastures and, and still waters, quiet waters. And that would sometimes lead the shepherds to guiding their sheep and taking their sheep through difficult terrain. Valleys that were dark and dangerous. Valleys that had animals hiding, just waiting to attack. Valleys that were difficult. With the sunlight being blocked out by the cliffs on either side. The flock would end up struggling over boulders and and over rocks and walking along ground that might not have felt secure. But even in the valleys, the shepherd needs to be trusted. Even through the valley of the shadow of death, even through the valley of darkness, the shepherd has to be trusted. Because remember, we've just said last Sunday that he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And like I said, sometimes that takes us through difficult seasons in our life. But the shepherd needs to be trusted. The Christian life isn't always one that is plain sailing. Actually, those of us who walk with Jesus know that life is still very, very hard, very difficult. And verse 4 shows that clearly. We we still feel pain. We still feel loss. We still grieve. We still know what it is to um, fall ill. We still know what it is to near death. We still know what it is to lose loved ones. We still know what it is to go through natural disasters. One of the biggest fears though in the valley is this fear of control. Who is in charge here? I can see that the shepherd's in charge when he's leading me beside the green pastures and he leads me by the still waters. When my soul has been restored, I know that he's in charge. But when I walk through this dark and difficult valley, who's in charge in that time? Is evil going to harm me? Is death or darkness, is it going to engulf me? And as I said, this is often used for pastoral situations where people are, themselves are needing death. What does it mean to be a believer in Jesus and know that your time on Earth is running out? Who is in charge here? Let me see it's the shepherd. The shepherd is still in charge even in the valley of the shadow of death because he's leading his sheep through it and he loves them and cares for them. The Hebrew word that is rendered the valley of the shadow of darkness gives this image of this valley that is so deep. That that is so dark because of the sunlight being blocked out by cl- the cliffs, and it's also translated as the shadow of death. Doesn't sound like a really very good place to be in, does it? I think if I was to take a poll this morning and ask you where would you rather be? Would you rather be found in verse 4 or would you rather be found in verse 2? I think it would be safe to say that every single one of us would say I would rather be by the green pastures. I'd rather be by the quiet or still waters. But many of us, if not all of us, go through periods in our lives where we know what it is to go through the valley of darkness, the valley of the shadow of death. And this verse, it brings so much comfort to our souls. Our souls which the shepherd himself restores. It brings so much comfort to our souls knowing that even as we go through the valley of the shadow of death, that as David himself would say, I'll fear no evil. I'll fear no evil. Why? Why? Can we say, I'll fear no evil? Because of the very next phrase, for you are with me. For you are with me. I don't normally do this kind of thing, but I would love it if right now, right now where you are, if you could just repeat those words. For you are with me. Speak it over your situation. Speak it over your life. Speak it over the season you're going through. That actually the shepherd is right beside you. That he is with you. And because of that, you can fear no evil. You can go right through the difficult season. You can go right through the valley of the shadow of death. You can go right through the difficult times in this life that the darkness often brings. And you can say with all hope, with all sincerity of heart, I will fear no evil, Lord, because you are with me. If we're walking on the paths of righteousness, we have nothing to fear. Not because the valley isn't scary, but because the shepherd is with us, and because we are on his path, and his protection is there. David begins by pointing to God as a shepherd, saying, God, you, you lead me, you provide, you guard, you guide. And it's exactly the same even in the valley season. The shepherd is still protecting. The shepherd is still leading, still guarding, and still providing. But this time, his provision looks a little bit different. It's the peace that we know from walking with the Lord. That peace that stills the fears in our hearts, the fears in our souls, because of his promised presence with us and david shows that that we can have all confidence because of this one truth the promised presence of the shepherd the shepherd is present with his sheep the answer to your fear is his presence his rod and his staff that's what the answer to your fear is this morning your promised his promised presence His presence is what stills our fears. This rod would have been a thick stick that would be used as a weapon. That the shepherd would use to beat off any impending attacks that would come from any uh, dangerous animals or attackers. And this, this, this kind of thought of this, this thick stick that would that would bring um, um, defence to the sheep made me think of Exodus chapter fourteen, verse fourteen, and this is what it says: "The Lord will fight for you, and you only have to be silent." Or the Lord will fight for you, and another way of rendering that is, "Keep your peace." We can keep our peace. We can know no fear. Because we know the Lord fights our battles for us. This morning, do you know that God is fighting for you? He has defeated the grave. He's defeated death. He's paid the price of sin. But he's still fighting in the heavens for you. Because our battle isn't against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. And our God is a God who fights for his people. So know this morning that you can fear no evil because God is with you and he is fighting your battles for you. And maybe you have been battling them yourself. Maybe you've been trying to fight oppression and fight this and fight that in your own strength and do your own battles. But this morning would you rest in the promise that the shepherd gives you, that he fights for you because he loves you and he cares for you. So his rod is there in the valley, but so is his staff. And this staff will be used to round up the sheep. It will be used to to draw you close to the shepherd. So with one hand, he's fighting your battles for you. He's fighting against the the, the enemies and the impending danger. But with the other hand, he's drawing you close to himself. He's pulling you into himself. And he's no longer pictured. The shepherd is now no longer pictured ahead of us, leading us. Because that's what we've seen at the beginning of Psalm 23. He makes me lie down. He leads me. He goes before me. But now we have this picture of the shepherd drawing his sheep to himself. He's no longer leading us out in front, ahead of us. But now he's beside us in the valley. Right beside us. Psalm 23 has... 55 Hebrew words in it. And at the very heart of Psalm 23 are these words, for you are with me. There's 55 Hebrew words in Psalm 23. There's 26 Hebrew words before the phrase, you are with me, and there's 26 words after it. The very center is the promise of the presence of the shepherd. This is central to Psalm 23. But I would say it's even more central than that. Because it's this ongoing beautiful thread we see throughout the whole of Scripture. This presence that God wanted to give His people. He would step down in the cool of the day in the garden, then sin entered the world, and then He made His covenant with His people. And the covenant was what? I will be your God and you will be my people. And we see it go through the whole of Scripture all the way to the end of Revelation. where We see the new heavens and the new earth being made in John's vision. And we read that God makes his dwelling with his people. This isn't just a one-off promise of his presence. But it's this biblical promise we see throughout the whole of Scripture Because God longs to be with his people. At the center of Psalm 23 is the promised assurance of the presence of the shepherd. And we see David change here a wee bit. He goes from speaking about the shepherd as he. And he moves and transitions to addressing the shepherd as you. Why does he do that? He does it to show the closeness and the nearness of God to him. sometimes i think we feel that when we go through difficult times that we feel that god is distant we feel god is far away but david shows us that's not the case that he's no longer he but he now addresses the shepherd as you you're with me you're beside me and maybe right now you're thinking of that beautiful poem the the poem of the footprints in the sand friends how amazing is the abiding presence of the shepherd That wonderful promise we have that Jesus gives us. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I did a trust fall test with Joel a few weeks ago. Um, If you don't know what that is, it's when you stand behind someone and you ask them just to fall back and trust that you're going to catch them. And it took Joel a few moments to have the confidence to trust me. Because every time I'd say, okay, fall, he would look back to see if I was still there. But eventually I asked him, do you trust me? And he said, yes. And and I kept speaking and kept talking to him. And eventually he fell. And then it became a, a game where he would fall back and I would catch him. But the thing that Joel was trying to do was he was trying to make his trust dependent upon what he could see. And that's where many of us fail in life. Because actually when we see God, we're okay trusting him. But actually when we go through the valley period and sometimes it's difficult to see him. Our trust begins to fail. Do not make your trust dependent upon what you see. But let your faith come from hearing the word of God. The promises of God and camp in them. Make your dwelling upon them. That he is for you. He will never leave you and never forsake you. Now, would I fall backwards and trust Becca to catch me? Absolutely not. Not on your Nelly. Not a chance. Why not? Well, it's not because I don't trust her, but it's because I don't believe she has the ability or the strength to catch me and keep me from falling. She'd probably like to try, but I like I said, I don't have the trust in her ability to catch me. I think she'd give it a good go but I think I might be a a couple of pounds too heavy. But friends, we don't put our trust in a vacuum and we don't put our trust in anyone that is going to fail us. We put our trust in the shepherd who is the maker of heaven and earth. We trust the one who parted the sea. We trust the one who shut the mouth of the lions. We trust the one who gave his people the promised land. We trust the one who went to the cross, who beat death, who rose again, who conquered the grave. That is who we trust. He has all the ability. He has all the power to keep us from falling because he's the rock of ages and he is a certain and sure foundation That we can stand upon. The hope of being carried through the valley. Of the shadow of death. It isn't a promise made on no experience either. Our good shepherd Jesus himself. Was carried by his father. Through death. Through the cross. Through the grave. And up into new life. See Jesus isn't just a good shepherd. He was also made to be a lamb. A lamb who was led to the slaughter silently. So friends our good shepherd knows what it means to be a lamb or a sheep going through the valley of the shadow of death. And friends what a joy it is to know that we have a high priest this morning in Jesus Christ who has suffered in every way that we do. Jesus sees what is going on in your life. He knows what is happening. So come to him as a good shepherd and trust him to guard you, to guide you and to keep you. Even as you approach the valley of the shadow of death, even as you go through dark periods in life, trust him as the good shepherd because he has suffered in every way that we do. And God the Father kept him and carried him and brought him through to new life in resurrecting power. I read a story this week about a pastor whose name is Bill and he was from California and he went to uh, visit a friend of his who was named Todd who was a missionary in South Africa and Bill the pastor took his two children his two boys with him as well to go and see Todd and his family And one day on their trip, Bill and Todd decided to take their boys up for a hike in the mountains. And as they were climbing and and going on this hike through the mountains, a, a huge boulder came loose. And it crashed down onto Bill. And in doing so, it completely crushed the lower half of his body. The boys went to get help and Todd stayed by his side as help came. But there was no way that Bill was going to survive. Such was the extent of his injuries. At the end, as Bill knew he was drawing in his final breaths, he turned to Todd and said, Tell my family I love them. And tell them I see Jesus. And very shortly after that, he breathed his last breath. Jesus is always close to us, even as we are approaching the moment of death. In the valley of the shadow of death, he's still there. And Bill, he got to see him. And Bill's family had the assurance that he loved them, but that he was seeing Jesus. David shows us that God is with us in the good times, but he's even close to us in the difficult times of death. And darkness. And because he is near us, we are safe. There is no safer place to be than in the embrace of the present shepherd, in the arms of Jesus. Fanny Crosby is a very well known hymn writer. She was a prolific hymn writer who lived between 1820 and 1950. She wrote hymns that many of us will be familiar with such as to God be the glory and blessed assurance. But what I find about it, what I find incredible about Fanny Crosby is she faced many difficulties in this life. One of the main ones that she had to endure was that she was blind. And she was blind from the age of 6 weeks old. She was born with perfect sight but she had an eye infection as an infant. And the family sent for the family doctor to come and to tend to Fanny Crosby. But he was out of town. So somebody who uh, was pretending to be an eye doctor came and attended to her. And he told the family to apply hot mustard to uh, Fanny Crosby's eyes. And it would treat the infection and it would get rid of the infection. And actually all that it did was it made her lose her sight. The infection eventually left by itself, but she was left with no sight. At the age of eight years old, she wrote this poem. Oh, what a happy soul I am, although I cannot see. I am resolved that in this world contented I will be. How many blessings I enjoy that other people don't to weep and sigh because i'm blind i cannot and i won't she was a remarkable woman she would go on and recite and learn um, five chapters of scripture every week from the bible by the age of 11 or 12 she knew a lot of the old testament and knew a lot of the gospel stories from memory As well as learning and memorizing five chapters of scripture every week, she would go on in her life and write more than 9,000 hymns. She could have complained about being in this dark season, which basically lasted her whole life, but she didn't. She came to know the Lord personally as her Savior at about the age of 30 one night she had had a dream and in the dream she saw a man that she knew and in the dream he was on his deathbed and he he asked her in the dream am I going to see you in heaven she said yes in the dream but when she woke up her soul was troubled because she knew she didn't personally know the Lord as her savior she knew all of those chapters of scripture she'd written some hymns she still didn't know the Lord personally as her Savior. So she began to search for the Lord with all of her heart, and eventually, not too long later, one night, she gave her heart to Jesus. And this led her to have this personal assurance of her own salvation, which led her to write the hymn, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is Mine. Even though she faced hardships in this life, she always knew the presence of Jesus with her. She ended up writing another very, very well-known hymn that many of us will know, Safe in the Arms of Jesus. Which the story goes, a man turned up at our house saying, I need you to write words to this tune that I've composed. My train leaves in 40 minutes. In 40 minutes, less than 40 minutes they reckon about 20 minutes she wrote the words to safe in the arms of jesus how did it happen so quickly i would posit that it only took her minutes to pen because actually this was her heart's story she knew that she was safe in the arms of jesus this was a testimony that came straight from her heart and as we approach the end of our sermon this morning I want you to know if you are going through the valley of the shadow of death that the shepherd is present with you and that you are safe in his arms. This is the hymn that Fanny Crosby wrote in 20 minutes. Safe in the arms of Jesus, safe on his gentle breast, there by his love o'ershaded, sweetly my soul doth rest. Hark, tis a song of heaven, born in the sweetest voice. Echoed by saints in mercy, in spirit, making my heart rejoice. Safe in the arms of Jesus, safe on his gentle breast. There, by his love o'ershaded, sweetly my soul doth rest. Safe in the arms of Jesus, safe from corroding care. Safe from the world's temptations, sin cannot harm me there. Free from the blight of sorrow, free from my doubts and fears only a few more trials, only a few more tears. Jesus, my heart's dear refuge, Jesus has died for me. Firm on the rock of ages, ever my trust shall be. Here let me wait with patience, wait till the night is o'er, wait till I see the morning break on the golden shore." Why do we fear no evil? Because our God is Emmanuel. He is with us, and our shepherd is present. We're going to listen to a praise song just now called Highlands. It was written by a worship leader in Australia who was going through a valley period in his life. He was really struggling. He couldn't sense God. He couldn't feel God. He thought he was on his own. So he went on a retreat from Australia and came to the Highlands in Scotland. And on his retreat, he was reading Psalm 23 and 24. And and, and he had this kind of revelation and a fresh encounter with God's presence. And it led him to write this this praise song that we're going to see on our screen before us. And there's a beautiful line in the chorus which says this. There's no less God within the shadow. No less faithful when the night leads me astray. Let's listen to this praise song and then we're going to sing our concluding item of praise. The Lord is my shepherd.